Welcome to Treasure Valley Podcast. I'm your host, Chuck. That background music that you hear right now is not our normal theme song. That's Wade Ronsi. He's a local drummer, extraordinaire, percussionist, expert. Would you say that you're an expert? Oh, I don't know about that. Well, you can yeah. listen to that and and maybe make your own judgment. <laughs> Thanks for taking the time to come out and talk to us, Wade, oh, about drums pleasure. and and music. Um, I want to read a quote from your Facebook post that you had on your 31st birthday recently. If that's okay with you. Yeah. You describe yourself as the kid that would sit in most of his classes in silent, helpless shame, silent, helpless shame, feeling like a failure because focusing felt like an attempt to grip an infinitely frictionless object. You then went on to talk about how music was not that difficult for you compared to sitting into a classroom and, and, and doing the tasks that your teacher had set forth for you. So... Can you talk about when you learned you had ADHD and how music helped you cope with that? Yeah. Uh, I got I got diagnosed probably, it's like first or second grade. It's always been really ambiguous just because I'm kind of from that generation that sometimes tended to uh, dodge, dodge conversations on that kind of stuff. Um, so it, it was there. Like I, I knew that it was going on and I knew that it existed. Um, I knew that it framed a lot of the way that I interacted with things. Um, but it wasn't like, it wasn't enough, it wasn't present enough for me that I was like actually aware that a lot of what I was experiencing were literal textbook symptoms of ADHD. Can you give us a couple of textbook symptoms out there just so people can understand? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I, I, I'm also, you know, maybe not qualified to elaborate on these a ton, but uh, what I have experienced a lot is um, common with like the inattentive subset of ADHD, which I think as of now, there's even like a different name for it, but uh, like dissociation, excessive daydreaming, where like okay. the, the harder I try to focus on an object, my mind will move. Um, word I learned recently, like parenthetically. So like, you know, if I'm staring at the, like the soda water, I'm thinking like, oh, soda water, oh, mango. I haven't had a mango in a while. Oh, I saw a mango at Albertsons the other day. Oh man, last time I was at Albertsons, I saw this cute girl. Oh yeah, like when's the last time I dated a girl? I was like, oh, then all of a sudden I'm thinking about something totally different when really I'm supposed to be paying attention to the board <laughs> and learning about like algebra or something like that. Well, that sounds like an adventure, but definitely can hinder your functioning in the classroom. Yeah, yeah. And the the difficulty with it for me was that it always stemmed from a place of attempted focus. Okay. So it wasn't like I was actively trying to daydream and like zoning off. It was like I'd, I'd stare at some, you know, s mentally focus on something, but then it would like morph gradually, like frog in the pot of water to where all of a sudden I'd like snap out of it. Teacher would be like, Wade, Wade, Wade. You are know, you with I, me? Yeah, are you with me? Or I'd be like sitting there tapping, you know, and just zoned out. So a lot of that. Um, standard, uh, like, you know, just the, the frontal lobe executive functioning stuff too. So just like timekeeping, procrastination, okay. object impermanence, all of that kind of stuff. So did that carry through into, into uh, middle school and high school? In were, a lot of ways. Were you the kid with the locker where you'd open it up and like a lot of stuff would just come falling out or crumpled papers everywhere? Oh, I have always had, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, in a big way. My car, like, I have spots that are extremely clean. Okay. Which is kind of funny, but then it's like I take, I take out 
when I like the things that I don't focus on, like my car or my desk, okay. my like high school or like my when did we have desks? Was that elementary school? Oh yeah, we're like the desk with the cubby. Your in own it. thing. Oh, own my, I mean, mine was like like the first circle of hell. You know, it's like. <laughs> Let's take out the assignment from yesterday. You're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Here we go. It's like crumpled way in the back or my backpacks. Yeah, it was always a disaster. So how how was music different for you then? Um, I think that it was it was a skill that I was able to pursue at my own pace, I think was a lot of it, is that like, um, albeit I was in band class, but okay. I... I I had a little bit of a head start because I played piano beforehand and then dropping into sixth grade, like I never really went home and practiced the stuff that I was supposed to. Sorry, Mr. Krieger and confessions Yeah, uh, to a band director. I mean, you know, they were, you you can't bullshit a band director, you know, (laughs) they they know, they They know know when you're not practicing. Um, (laughs) But like, you can't cram instrument practice in that doesn't doesn't work like facts yeah um but like i I was playing a lot and i was able to study things at my own pace and kind of learn in in a way that as i've gotten older i've realized like i personally can learn really well which is through like specific hyper focus on a specific attribute of a skill you know and so i'd be like oh you know i like went a mile deep into classic rock drumming you know, and like, okay. like, like choosing one thing and rather than kind of developing a, a network of skills that I'm constantly improving, I would like go hard on a thing okay. and learn that and learn all the adjacent skills. So you're talking about doing like a whole bunch of, of deep dives. Yeah. Um, on, and maybe even taking those thoughts that you had where you would be focused on your mango soda and then think about mangoes and thinking about Albertsons. But instead of doing that, make it music specific and then apply those those random thoughts to stick technique or or percussive technique yeah yeah that's pretty cool yeah that's pretty useful a lot of contemplation and like persistence you know i've never really been good in fact like my worst experiences with music were in college when it was like you know requirements to learn a lot of repertoire at a time where i was kind of expanding musically in more of a philosophic sense you know because that was just the thing i was doing at that point in time and kind of is what i've always done is like i think about music more than i play it Mm -hmm. like to me i I derive more improvement on my instrument from changing an approach than from you know learning a new concept or something like that okay a new concept but a new like rudiment or a new riff or a new like sick fill Okay, so you're, you're talking about yeah, taking taking a different idea and then implementing it in something that you play, rather than a specific execution. I'm trying to think in yeah, terms of yeah, or a, even a just like changing my angle of approach on things. Okay, you know, it's just like realizing, I don't know, you can you can change one little piece of your approach and it can it can affect your whole drumming, okay, or your whole your whole artistry. You know, just like approaching the drums from I don't know. Mm, I'm trying to think of an example. We might have to come back to that. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, there's. I actually just thought of a quote from Victor Wooten. Um, he's one of my favorite bass players to watch. And now that there, there's the thing called YouTube, he has amazing stuff that he talks about. Um, and and one of the things on like Bass Day 98 DVD that I 
you know, if it were a VHS, I would have played it off. Like <laughs> it would have broken in the machine. Um, he talks about he likes to give his his guitar to or his bass guitar to somebody that has no idea what it is. And he, and he talks about giving it to the karate, the karate guy that did like a palm slap, um, against the fretboard and it, and it helped him implement that into his bass playing technique because almost like what you were saying before, if you deep dive into something so specific, I don't think it matters what it is. Sometimes you lose the forest through the trees. And so it's probably a good thing to swim back up for some air, make sure that you're, you're on the right path or, you know, you're always on the right path. I feel like when it comes to like mastery of whatever it is, um, but mm-hmm. then to, to deep dive back into another area, you know, and try to branch those two. Is that kind of what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if it's, you so know. you learned a lot, you learned a lot from, um, your karate teacher and drums. That's what I meant. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> absolutely. I, I, you know, I, I really think that there's a lot of skill to be derived, um, in, in my field, I guess I can't really speak of other fields of expertise, but um, in my field, uh, by by studying and learning the approaches of other like disciplines of like any other kinds of disciplines, whether or not it's the sciences or martial arts or mm-hmm. other disciplines of art, even you know, and just like understanding the way that they think about things. Uh, because again, it can just be a slight change of trajectory or a slight change of approach on it at looking at something from a slightly different angle, excuse me, angle, and it can make you rethink your whole instrument. Yeah, those aha moments. Yeah. Um, I actually have a, he was just on the podcast, uh, I have a buddy, Tyler Carson, who's a violinist, and he was talking about how he started to take Tai Chi um, because violin is incredibly hard on your body as far as like, and I suppose you might have to worry about this as you continue on on drums. Um, you have to worry about your technique, and he's in a weird position. And so he started to take Tai Chi to be more aware of his movements, so that he's not fighting through like whatever tension he's having while holding his instrument with his chin on his neck. Interesting. And and, and moving his elbow in a strange way constantly, Learning. extremely rapidly. That's you know? cool. So, so for him, he like started to apply that and he said it opened up a lot in his violin that he had never experienced before. And, you know, part of it was due to necessity Yeah. because as you get older, you can't, you know, when you're, you're 20, you can do a lot of different things that aren't going to hurt you the next day versus 30 versus 40 versus 50 and so on. Yeah. And so why not? I feel like, you know, I feel like that's going to set him up to, um, like kind of give him that that wisdom. I feel like maybe that's where some of that wisdom of like doing something long enough that you get that like weird stuff that you can't just practice. And mm-hmm. it comes from like aging, maybe not aging, but like doing your discipline long enough that you start seeing how something like Tai Chi can be applied to it. Or, yeah. you know, like for me, I like watching surf videos. Okay. And being like, oh crap, like drums are kind of like surf videos and yoga videos. And being like, oh, drums are like w- way more of a flow state than like, for me at least, okay. or they can be, I guess it's not like, I'm not going to absolutely say that. Only, mm. only my Nick and Wendo says only Sith deal in absolutes. But, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, Careful. Yeah, exactly. But like, you know, I was looking at it and I was like, oh, you know, for me, drums are more of a flow state activity mm-hmm. than like this like brain mechanical thinking about music kind of thing yeah so like you know gradually flowing through that and it was like as soon as i thought about it like that i was reframing some of my practices to be like okay like 
you know, that that video that you pulled up, you know, is something that I've been working on since I kind of came to those realizations. I'm going to lower my microphone a little bit. Yeah, that's good. Um, where I will sit down and just try and play. Just like, don't stop playing. Mm-hmm. You know, or it's like a, a dude surfing a wave. <laughs> like, he's not going to surf it for like 15 feet and be like, oh, man, I like... I don't know any surf lingo. Like, I missed that ripple, you know? Like, <laughs> dives off and catches the next wave. Like, no, you ride it into shore, and then you go and catch another wave. Yeah, and do, do better it. the next time. Yeah, That's cool. exactly. That's a good way to think of improvis- improvisation, I would imagine. I, I wanted to talk to you about, like, your drumming, because I imagine you spend, at least based on the the post that you, that you put online, I imagine you spend an, an enormous amount of time practicing. Is that true? And are you close to your 10,000 hours, do you think? Like Malcolm Gladwell, Malcolm talks uh, about. I, I would imagine I, I would imagine I'm around my ten thousand hours. Um, but I also, I've been having this conversation with a lot of people, um, because, kind of along with what we're talking about, like music practice can exist in different forms. Yes, you know, like I, so I, I'm in a wend and wend like. Every person in that band has a completely different set of musical experience mm-hmm. and things that they've practiced. And like there was a sort of like weird period of uh, um, like imposter syndrome for like each of us, you know, or it's okay. like we all felt equally incapable because everybody had skills that w- nobody had. Okay. And, it, and so it really like really pointed to me that the like the dispersion of the 10,000 hour principle, um, which I mean, Albeit, like that principle, it's much more complex, you know, than mm. than you know. I'm I'm describing it right now, but you could disperse hours into so many different things that you wouldn't expect to be. I'm just putting my hand right in front of the camera. Um, That's that, okay. that you wouldn't expect to be normal, normal drum practice. Like mm. to me, like again, like watching surf videos or like watching music videos. But like yeah. t- like to me, practice has always been like as long as I'm truly opening up my mind to creativity or to just like education, like yeah. approaching everything like a student, I guess it's, it has felt like practice. Um, as far as like sitting down and consciously like practice, practicing, like sitting down with like, you have syncopation over there, you yeah. know, like sitting down and doing that shockingly little. Okay. Um, I grind, I grind the pad a lot. I, you know, yeah. I, I, I love technique, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think I'll ever be satisfied with my technique, and I love okay. contemplating it. And so I spend a lot of time thinking about the mechanics yeah. of the body and stuff. Um, but, like, also, like, I don't know, man, I'm, 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 like, out of shape and, like, achy, and I can only sit at a drum kit for, like, two hours. Oh, okay. If that. So, like, I don't know. I, I get seat time every day. But right I'm, on. Like, you know, I don't. You'll run into a lot of drummers who practice hard, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, Michael Mitchell that drums for Jeff Crosby, okay. who's like local, absolute monster drummer. Like I know for a fact that he practices, especially when he's at home. It's like shocking how uh, efficient and how like diligent he is with his mm-hmm. practice routine. Like there are guys out there that do that. I'm not one of them. <laughs> And it reflects in my technique, like okay. as someone who spends a lot of time looking at my own videos and shooting videos to look at my own technique, you know, it, it does come across, but I just, I don't know. I don't put that much time in to like traditional practicing. Right on. Yeah. Well, I think, I think like traditional 
I mean, the 10,000 hours rule is kind of interesting too because I read a book about from the author now whose name escapes me I probably should have written that down um, the book's called Peak um, and he talks about how mastery is just something that from the outside looking in if you've spent 10,000 hours on something usually you're much better at the average person in, in a way that they can't grasp you know mm-hmm. um, and then outside of that the the majority of people that continue to do stuff continue to improve um and there's also this phenomenon of like intentional practice because you know there are people that do you know a bad job or do a decent job at what they do and then continue to stay at that level without you know ex- like pushing themselves past a certain threshold yeah. which which as as a fellow musician you know when i play guitar um i know the difference between grabbing my guitar, getting, passing some time and just using it as, as a, as a way to relax. And not that that's invaluable to me, um, because it still keeps things, keeps things sharp. And I'll notice like little things that, uh, maybe I can adjust, but it also helps me get in that flow state versus like sitting down and like trying to figure out like a new piece of music that I cannot play. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's, that's, two different two totally different things um in my mind and that's that's where that that push that push comes from you know is there something that you're pushing yourself on right now and in relation to to drums um lately uh obviously the improv yeah yeah i mean i think that that's that's something that i've been aware of that i've been structuring my practices around a little bit but I think so much of my practice has just been like more effort has been put into systematically making time to practice. Yeah. Because I think that like, you know, I always tell my students that like the hardest part of learning any skill isn't the like practices themselves. It's making the time to do the thing, like mm-hmm. get, like actually getting to the seat yeah. and practicing the thing. And so like putting your shoes on to run. Yeah, exactly. Put your shoes like, on, you're going to run. Driving your ass to the gym or whatever it is, yeah. you know? And so, like, that's that's been my biggest struggle is, like, looking at a day and being like, oh, okay, like, I, I'm i going to get home at 6 tonight and I'm going to be tired. And, mm-hmm. like, that's my time to practice, you know? And so, like, doing, like, I just got to get seat time. Like, I can just sit down. And if I can just do that, I'll be happy. Yeah. Um, and so it's been really focused around that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have... I have been working on playing in terms of like actual intent, working on really low volume, like like working on, you know, like, um, with drums, you think a lot of times like dynamically, like in terms of how loud you are based off of stick height. Okay. So like, you know, if I'm playing with a pair of sticks and like the tip of the stick is, you know, going an inch off is going an inch off, you know, that's like pianissimo or piano. And so I've been working on playing that quiet because it requires a whole different, like functionality of the muscle systems and stuff that I find then makes it so that I can play really loud if I want. Huh. It just gives me a lot of control. Um, so I've been working on like playing quietly and controlled and really unlocking that dynamic level. Interesting. It's surprisingly hard. That's, uh, that actually, so, uh, Adam Chavarria, who's, a was a local musician, but, uh, is in Austin right now. Um, but still bombs around in Boise every once in a while. He, he gave me the pointer cause I was asking him how to sing cause I couldn't sing for anything 
like a few years ago. I had no control. Like you think that you know where your voice is going. Um, and he sent me like some video tips that he goes back to all the time. Like these people that do YouTube videos. And one of them was this guy. He just like, he's like sustain the note. Like he was like barely holding this, this mm sound. And, and it was the hardest thing I've ever tried to do is like make, make a note really quietly. And, but then I realized that like, Oh, okay. If I can control this, if I can hold one note for a long time, really quietly, because you like run out of breath. Yeah, it's like really weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that 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 quietness is is super important. Being able to control that that dynamic range, which I don't know that people in the general population appreciate that aspect of of music is like that dynamic range is so incredibly impactful. Not just at like a micro level when it comes to the the musician. Um, but also in a band composition type situation, you know, when, when that happens unexpectedly, um, as far as like however many instruments there are playing, like going down to one, all of a sudden your attention is just like, Oh, that's where I need to be. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, the, especially when you're catching a band, like, and they've been intense and loud the whole time. And then it's just like silence, silence. But like, like one of my favorite things is just like, the singer yeah you know singing like a verse by themselves and like being able to hear like the the like vocal fry or like whatever mm -hmm. you know and like those little those little characteristics i don't know i i love that bands that bands that actually stop playing sometimes yes <laughs> which is hard i mean it's like i'm i'm projecting there because i am one of those dudes that will start playing and not shut the up <laughs> well so if uh that drum solo I, did you share that on social media i know that you shared it on facebook yeah but on yeah, your I've, other I've socials around yeah so um i thought that was really interesting that i played obviously like the segment where you were really rocking it but i don't necessarily think that that was the most interesting thing for me to watch because you did start to play with the dynamics um as time went on which with percussion i think when you think of the like quote unquote drum solo you're always looking for more limbs flailing around um more quickly yeah to, to keep you know so it sounds like a one-man drum circle which is incredibly impressive um but at the same time that that dynamic range in the drums and and hitting those beats and in certain measures is is very interesting as well um so you're working on your drum improvisation i would imagine so that you can throw some drum solos out there every once in a while how does that how does that practice um and then those different techniques fit into like learning how to throw them in while you're improvising are you taking yeah. stuff that are you building like a vocabulary of of different phrases that you can check out there um are you feeling it out mostly or it's, what is that honestly like? like like the drum soloing thing for me um and the more i am i am getting closer to recontextualizing solo i've never really enjoyed I started off really enjoying like John, you know, John Bonham and Ginger Baker and Mitch Mitchell, like the famous, you know, mm. those famous drum solos. And then like, you know, got into the jazz solos and stuff and then like completely lost interest. And so I'm not, I don't really know if my intent, you know, like is to do that in front of people. Like to me, it's almost, it's almost like my equivalent of like, you know, like the artist way book. Like no. the morning pages concept, you know, where it's just like, so the artist way is just like self-help creativity book. And like one of her big things is morning pages where you sit down and you stream of conscious, write three pages. 
Oh. I think front and back. I'm not entirely sure. I told myself I was going to do it, and then I didn't instead. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, the the drum solos kind of function more in that, where I am um, I'm soloing to think. Okay. And to, like, hear, you know, because you start doing the way that she talks about it in the book, and the way that a lot of people who journal, you know, it's like, you you do it to see what your tendencies are to see what your like common syntax is to like yeah kind of just get a snapshot of what you're like and so to me a lot of my like drum soloing is to like a unlock the conversational side of that you know that was why i posted that was because that felt like when i'm playing in a room by myself and just expressing myself like it was a flow it felt like very story like to me at least um and that is what I've always used it for is like this sort of exploratory integration of the practice room into my playing as I learn the new words, yeah. or, you know, whatever. Um, understanding what I sound like on the drums and what I can get away with so that when I'm playing live, you know, I intuitively speaking kind of know what I can, what I can drop into the music without it tanking because there is a certain degree of responsibility thrown on the drummer to not have the floor drop out on the rhythm yeah it's really important because if the drummer starts screwing up things fall apart really quickly for everybody <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. there's a there's a joke that i i made to one of my one of my friends about like guitar solo like um if i'd really get into it sometimes and then i'd i'd just hit a wrong note and it was clearly wrong like if you go back to it again like you did it on purpose then all of a sudden you're okay yeah but is there is there a is there an equivalent to that for oh, a drummer yeah totally okay. yeah i mean i uh dave king who actually has a really zany youtube channel called rational funk he's a really good jazz drummer but like he like i would almost describe his style as ugly okay <laughs> but like intentionally you know like he'll like smash a thing weirdly and then imitate it you know and like do weird little things that like integrate slop into it and like yeah in a creative situation i mean one of the best piece of advices i ever got for session work for cutting you know doing doing takes to play on people's records was like if you make a mistake like don't drop the take just repeat it the next measure Mm. and like repetition like humans just are like we're just pattern seeking that's yeah all. So, like, we eat it up yeah exactly so like, if this happens again it wasn't a mistake yeah i mean dude like one of the dopest indie rock records i mean i think it was top 40 on the indie charts for a long time was lonerism by tame impala yeah and like the opening i think it's the opening no it's not the opening track it was one of the singles on it um i forget the one doom doom but he's like doing these sprawling kevin parker's doing these sprawling tom fills and is like clicking the rim yeah and i i swear because i don't know that's not really something that someone would intentionally do i swear that he clicked that rim and then in his mind was like i'm gonna click it the next time too and just keep this take because it's good yeah (laughs) you know and it's like it's dope like that stuff just works yeah as long as you have enough enough skill to be able to go back to where you knew that you messed up and incorporate the mistake into what you're doing yeah on the fly is yeah. pretty pretty helpful yeah that tame and paul is great i just remembered a story of when i was driving around with someone and and they thought my cd was skipping and i can't remember the name of the album now i'm terrible with album names and song names i'm absolutely horrendous at them because i've always 
I know, the, CDs, I know the song you're talking about. I, put, I always sure. put the CDs into my into my CD player, like initially when I had a CD player um, or a tape that I recorded off of uh, the radio and then just like let stuff play nonstop and never looked at the, the booklet or anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, he has, he has a song where it skips. And then you're like, what the heck is going on here? And it's and it's grating enough because it's uh, it sounds like a CD skipping. But yeah, he incorporates it back right back into the song. And I'm like, that's that's cool. I wonder if something yeah. weird happened there. That one obviously had to have been planned out. But man, we went way off the rails. That's cool, though. On my totally, yeah. totally. Um, do, you, do you have tips for people that want to learn how to play the drums that haven't picked it up? I always think about I always think about non-traditional students. Because for me, I love to learn new things and I do it to prove that I'm never going to get old, you know, but it's definitely overwhelming. And the drums in particular is, is pretty difficult, I think. Yeah, there's a... Because like piano, you can sit it. down and you can kind of like smash the notes and they're in front of you and like it's not, it's not going to be beautiful, but like within a while you can you can kind of get something that sounds like hot cross buns like out, out, of yeah. the, out of the keys but drums you don't have you know um there's it, not like a systematized mm -hmm. way of learning them really i mean like they're they're starting to be but you know pianos pianos old yeah you know and like well it's funny because drums are really old too they're like super old but like the drum kit you know is like a relatively new instrument and so mm -hmm. like the standardization of practice is still finding its footing, you know, and, and yeah. especially in a modern context. I mean, it's, yeah, it's extremely daunting to people. And I think that, um, I, I run into that more often than not, like students that don't, don't even know what it looks like to learn the drums because it's such a massive scope of things. Yeah. Um, my my suggestion for people is to uh, find an entry point. So just like use YouTube mm -hmm. or Google and just Google the drums and just go until something catches your eye and then like watch YouTube videos, like literally just keyword drums and like watch videos and go pages and pages in and go down a YouTube rabbit hole and find some aspect of it that you like and then use that as your entry point to get into it. And you can, I mean... Most people nowadays, unless you're, you know, unless you're of a demographic that it doesn't really interact with computers, most of us know how to like chase a internet rabbit hole. Yes. Um, and so like, I think that that is a really good way to be self-taught at it. It still is beneficial to then like, once you hit some dead ends, um, reach out to drum, a drum teacher. Yeah. I mean, that is, I'm, I'm best, I'm personally... I'm at my worst when I'm trying to systematically like teach a student, like take them through the like traditional track of drums. Cause I don't have context in that. Yeah. That was what I was bad at. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so taking people through, you know, like, Oh, what's your entry point? Oh, it's, it's drum history. Oh, okay, cool. I can like teach you how, you know, various like clave patterns morphed into jazz, morphed into rock and roll. And I can teach you a handful of grooves that you can pull from, or I can teach mm -hmm. you about like the famous drummers, or I can, you know, through that history, teach you the prominent drums of that era and teach you how they sounded and the prominent grooves for you. You know, and so it's like, you can find, if you can find your entry point, the thing that you're into, then expand from there. Cause drums are so big that like, they can really be whatever you want. You know, sure. Yeah. If you're doing the like, 
sixth grade through college level, like scholastic track, there are going to be things that you're going to get graded on. And so there is a benefit to getting a teacher that's able to help you achieve those things, which not saying I'm like bad at that, but like it, uh, it's, it's more standardized. Yeah. So, so the, that, that thought process where you have, where you go down those rabbit holes that has helped you have a pretty large base of understanding with not just the instrument of the drums, but a lot of the other aspects, the human societal history around them. Is that what yeah. you're kind of describing right now? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that was just an example. Yeah. yeah. I mean, your, your entry point could be, I want to learn how to play a rock beat because I, my friend wants to jam with me and mm-hmm. so I can teach you a rock beat and then teach you the infinite complexity that yeah. <laughs> can come from literally just like making minor adjustments to the rock beat. Right on. Yeah. I mean, Phil Rudd from ACDC, like played four on the floor and <laughs> killed it. There you go. Um, do you have any factoids? Not to put you on, I'm putting you on the spot, I guess. Do you have any interesting factoids that that you've learned recently about about drums? About drums. You, yeah, that you like to share. Oh, I mean, I've been I've been going really, really deep on like time okay. in and of itself. Uh, right on. I just, it, it seemed weird to me to like not get to, just like an, an understanding of like timekeeping and all that kind of stuff. I just went, I was just thinking of like Albert Einstein and like maybe adjustments you need to make. Like if you were in outer space traveling at a certain amount of speed. Yeah, yeah. A, so close to the speed of light, like how, what a drums would sound like. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, it like, it, it like is a weird, yeah, it, that, that chick can get really weird. I, I just read this like history, brief history of timekeeping and it got over my head so fast. <laughs> Um, I, I did read, uh, something about that. Uh, it was a while ago. Um, standardized timekeeping was, became really important, uh, when, when the trains were developed because like people could then travel between towns and they needed to be able to like figure out what the hell was going on. Yeah. Is that the same thing that you read? Yeah. And I mean, like the, the train, the train like corporations or whatever they were called then, like the barons, I guess, like they lobbied. Like they're the ones that lobbied to like the United States and like the the timekeeping conferences to mm-hmm. like not only set up standard time but like to kind of establish how it is today. Like a lot of our like time zone, those like vertical lines, yeah. are based off of prominent rail towns in the United States. Yeah, even down to Wild. like the Greenwich clock. I'm just so like into like so you asked me about ADHD like yeah. my ten years my like info dump <laughs> yeah so like you know I've I've been getting into that kind of stuff because um, I think it's just interesting to know but uh, the tie between what is called polyrhythms yeah and then intervals um, I found this out through an Adam Neely video that blew my mind like polyrhythms are like playing basically two different rates at once so like right now i'm doing like both right left right both right left right both right left right both mm-hmm. but each hand is playing a constant rate so if i'm like like that's triplets and then my left hand is playing like three basically for every three i'm playing two okay on here. yeah um if you like were to take that recording and speed it up incredibly fast like that would be a major third interval or something like that like it, that is like like the oh. intervallic hertz of like yeah oh okay yeah, yeah that just hurt my head to think about yeah, so people yeah. that people that aren't are um i'll send you i'll send you the adam neely video okay and just like drop it in there so it, yeah it, people... like yeah i like <laughs> that scene where neo like pukes at the beginning of uh of the matrix that's yeah like what i felt like i was like oh god what okay okay so so just a quick baseline i'll try to try to explain yeah, that quickly explain so that. uh 
basic basically uh musical information i think it's like 440 hertz is concert a yeah right and so for people that don't know the basics about music theory um an octave above that would be 880 hertz so double the octave um you get you get the same note your ear hears it as the exact same note for whatever reason um if it's twice the frequency the 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 the, the the number of uh, uh, of sound waves moving through the air. Yeah. So there's 440 hertz per, you know, 440 sound waves per second is is concert A, I believe. Yeah. And then double that is is an octave above that, and then all the notes are metered in in those ratios. And so what you're saying is if you if you're putting like three six eight over four four essentially was that what that Something was like that, yeah, yeah yeah six and then there, there that's a major major third is it's it just, a, yeah, yeah it, might or be major a, fifth. it might be a fifth or something like that yeah. I, don't, I don't actually know the specifics of it which i'm not that good with notes i'd have to a b c d e which would be like an e or something yeah depending on, on what your root note is yeah. if you're playing in the key of c you know major third wild C-E, if it was a fifth it'd be c g which like you know it really it makes sense when you think about it because like all that hurts is is just like a different like like rate like beats mm. per minute is just like literally pulses per minute and hertz mm. is just pulses per second so yeah it's just like different levels of granularity of yeah of rate of pulse too and so you're just yeah, yeah. totally makes sense yeah. yeah i guess yeah it's just a it's just a fraction yeah that we're not used to hearing it in that term because we actually hear it's at such a low frequency we don't hear it as musical information yeah dang that's cool well it makes total sense i'm gonna i'm gonna end with one last question here that's gonna bring it more general because cool. I wanted to hit on this one. Yeah. Um, how does progress with your drumming coincide with overall personal development for you? Mm, um, yeah, I'm curious if it like actually does drive it or not. Uh, I, I think that really learning how to practice in an intentional sense, um, doing the thing that I said that I don't do very much, which is just like rep- the repetition style where I like, take a single stroke roll, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, and get as many repetitions of it as I can over a period of time. And within that, I focus on the the accuracy of each note and think about the way that my hands are moving. And I'm basically taking my mind and moving my focus to different to different points in space. Either I'm looking at where the beads of the stick are on the drum or my wrists or mm-hmm. my relaxation and, and learning how to move my brain around has really opened up a lot of mindfulness for me in a way that like as I started like in an effort to grapple kind of swinging it back to the beginning with my ADHD as I began to grapple with that and learned that like oh yeah like the like and I'm not pushing people to do this or not but for me like looking into meditation and mindfulness stuff was like oh okay so like a lot of these concepts are this same sort of movement of my mind Um, and so music has driven a lot of that the actual practicing of it, uh, being in bands, I mean, is wildly complex. Yeah. That's a complex relationship right there. Learning how to make space for other people's creativity. Yeah. is like Serge Tankian. Uh, I don't know if that's how you say his last name from System of a Down. Mm-hmm. Somebody asked him, you know, why System of a Down doesn't do anything. And he's like, well, it's because you're like, it's like you and your friends are all trying to paint a painting at the same time. <laughs> you know, and so like, it's li- it's taught me a lot of about taking a step back and having more faith in people. Yeah. And and more faith in seeing what their idea will look like if you just kind of shut up for a second and let them chase it without you trying to grab the steering wheel. 
Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's taught me a lot about that. Uh, it's taught me different levels of just like observation and, and thinking about myself, you know, just how much I focus with that video, you know, I had a hard time with it at first because I was like overanalyzing my playing rather than just like letting it be what it wanted to be. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff there's, you can, just as you can learn lessons from life towards drumming, it can definitely, it can go the other way. Right on. It's not just one way, a one way relationship. This is why, this is why artists are usually pretty chill. <laughs> it's all those, all those social, sociological at things that we learn how to do to, to interact with people that, that help us out in everyday life. And it's a lot of, it's probably unintentional. Yeah. <laughs> or those objections come in the way. Cause you can't just sit at a cubicle and ignore everybody. Yeah. Although <laughs> Unfortunately, regard, I, I know a lot of Zen people that are in the cubicle life too. But yeah, I definitely. It's I, not. It's not exclusive. I guess it's not exclusive, but it definitely. No absolutes. It comes from a. It's like, yeah, it like comes from a place of intention for sure. You know. But yeah, no, that's. I agree. Right. That's well, nice. Thanks. You think I'm chill? Yeah. <laughs> thanks for joining us today, uh, Wade. Yeah. If uh, Wade plays for this episode is going to be airing in October, you are going to be releasing an album with Wind hopefully soon. Are we allowed to announce that? Oh, you know, it'll just be coming out next year. Um, okay. I think wait, someone asked Riley about it, and she was like. Yeah, we'd love to release it. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. So That's... definitely follow Wend on the social medias yeah. and yep. follow Wade on the social medias. And he gives tips on drums periodically. Mm -hmm. yeah. So. yeah, and I'm, a, I'm available for drum lessons and whatever, whatever format works best for you. I love teaching and I like earning my keep doing it. So, right on. Yeah. So reach out to him. He can give you some drum lessons that'll suit you directly yeah. rather than just syncopation for the modern drummer. Not that that's a bad thing. It's a killer book. It's yeah. a great book. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a Lower Gentry Studios production. That is Treasure Valley Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next week.